1: the truth.com with your host DJ
2: Rome. hey welcome to the program everybody you just stepped inside of psychotic bump school the place where education and entertainment meet At the intersection of funk and soul my name is dj rome and i want to welcome you to another exciting edition of psychotic bump School. so ladies and gentlemen tonight oh we have an amazingly packed show this evening y'all uh we're doing it for the politics and we're doing it for the culture tonight and uh for the culture i want to welcome back miss kyra christian as well as dr roche brown Kyra Christian is a mental health therapist in Northern California and Dr. Roche Brown is a clinical psychotherapist in the Bay Area, ladies and gentlemen. And we're gonna be talking about the politics of black hair. That's right. Uh, If you saw recently on the Academy Awards, uh, an animated short film called Hair Love just won an Oscar award for uh, Best Animated Short Feature. And it was called Hair Love. So black hair has been Uh, streaming right through our national discourse, and we're gonna break it down with two mental health professionals in Northern California. That's Kyra Christian and Dr. Roche Brown talking about hair black hair to be specific and also we're going to be breaking down the latest in our politics with an amazing panel we have coming back miss dina becker who is a california delegate we have aaron sands who is a multi-hyphenate actress and pundit of politics (laughs) as well as my good brother mr jeffrey keller from the pocho hour of power breaking down the national latest news in our incredibly volatile politics. So uh, that's our lineup for the evening. So you might want to call your friends and family to the radio or the computer because we are about to set it off. So this is KCWG, the My name is DJ Rome. Welcome to Psychotic Bump School. Stay tuned for more. We'll be right back with Jeffrey, Dina and Aaron. We are back, KCWG, the This program is called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome. Oh, and I am oh so excited to have this illustrious and highly esteemed panel back with me for 2020. It's been a while since I assembled a portion of this panel, so I'm really excited to have them back in the wake of all of these latest developments in the world of our politics so, ladies and gentlemen, first I want to welcome back to Psychotic Bump School the good sister, California delegate, Miss Dina Becker. Miss Becker, are you there?
3: I am here.
2: Welcome back and happy 2020 to you. I'm also proud to welcome back vlogger, actress, the multi-talented multi-hyphenate herself, Miss Erin Sands. Miss Erin Sands, are you there?
4: I'm in the house and ready.
2: In the house and ready. And of course, the good brother who's the co-host of one of the top rated radio shows in Southern California called the Pocho Hour Power. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back my good brother, Mr. Jeffrey Keller. Mr. Keller, are you in the house?
0: Yes, sir. What's
2: going on? Well, welcome back, the three of you. You know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, the last time we were all together like this, think about this, y'all. This is how much things have gone down since then. Uh, Cory <laughs> Booker was still in the, the, the Democratic uh, presidential race, um, so was um, uh, Kamala, Kamala Harris, of course. And then, Everybody
3: uh, was actually, basically and, everyone of color is gone. Right? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> right,
2: Y'all remember somebody named Eric Smallwell? <laughs> he was in the race the last time we were in here. And uh, so much has happened since then. Uh, we're in the week of the New Hampshire primary, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, there have been some, uh, well, not terribly surprising uh, results that ensued uh, after that primary. And we had an Iowa caucus that was full of surprises and uh, a lot of unexpected, uh, unfortunate developments as a result of that. But we did have a couple of people that did emerge, uh, Bernie Sanders, as well as Pete Buttigieg. Uh, Amy Klobuchar, excuse me Klobuchar out of uh, the Midwest, I think Minnesota uh, is also making a bit of a surge. so the reason why I wanted the three of you back here um, it, it's getting kind of heated out there it's things are starting to heat up, um, people are starting to drop out of the race as was expected because eventually we were going to have to narrow the field right so uh, candidates are starting to go more at each other more directly, and so I'm trusting that we can uh, discuss these issues in as cordial and as as robust a fashion as we do right here on Psychotic Bump School. So uh, let me go to Dina Becker first. Dina, what in the world do you think about what's been happening lately in our politics with the emergence of the New Hampshire primary that we just had? Dina Becker, what are your thoughts?
3: Okay, um, well, I think the only surprise really for me in New Hampshire was that Amy Klobuchar did so well. Mm -hmm. Um, I completely expected Bernie to take that that wasn't a surprise at all. And, you know, after what happened in Iowa, I thought that Pete would do well as well there as well in uh, New Hampshire. But yeah, the only real surprises for me for New Hampshire were the fact that Amy Klobuchar did so well and that she did so much better than Elizabeth Warren. That was a real surprise for me. Yeah. Iowa, Iowa was just a hot mess,
5: hot mess, Mm -hmm.
3: hot mess all around. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you're aware of it, but the, um, the party chairman he stepped of the uh, Iowa Democratic Party. Yes, he resigned. He yeah. resigned. He needed to after that mess. But, wow. you know, there there's so much. With I, I want to go back to the Iowa caucus because there was just so much, so much. to digest there. Right. And, I mean, starting with that app, you know, to count the huh. votes. And yes. everything that was discovered regarding that app, you know, the, the connection to Pete Buttigieg's campaign that was just just bizarre you, you just couldn't it's like something out of a movie
5: <laughs> <You know>?
3: mm-hmm. <laughs> something out of a bi-political movie you can't make this stuff up you know no. it's like oh yeah but the party the state party is going to utilize an app that oh by the way one of the candidates actually put forty two thousand dollars towards paying for it and they didn't think they needed to divulge that
2: <laughs> which candidate
3: Buttigieg's campaign helped pay for that app. Did they? Yes, they did. And then on top of that, his chief strategist, one of his chief strategists, his wife runs the company that made the app.
5: Okay. So Yeah. yeah.
3: And then um, the company is also headed by a bunch of former Hillary Clinton aides. So there's just so much going on there. Right. Too much yeah. going on. And, you know, and then I don't know if you saw the videos that were out regarding the the coin tosses, the the coin toss to um, settle the ties between Bernie and Pete. And this one video I saw, they had this guy doing a coin toss. He flips the coin up, you know, lets it land in his hand, looks at it, flips it overhead right in front of everyone and then calls it for Pete. To give him another delegate. I mean, it was just craziness.
2: How widely circulating is that video? That that that's oh, it's all
3: over social media. Really, all over the Yeah, all Um, you have to do is to Google Iowa coin toss, and I'm sure it will come. Yep. Oh my god. It will come.
2: I I was going to call the call it the app that took a nap the night of the uh, (laughs) Iowa caucus. It's like oh oh, no, it
3: it didn't take a nap though. It did exactly what it was supposed to do, except for one little glitch. It was supposed to fix the vote, but it wasn't supposed to break, and that's what got them <laughs> caught. <laughs>
5: wow. Uh,
2: uh, Jeffrey Keller, I'm coming to you in just a minute. Aaron Sands, uh, how aware of you are you of the uh, that infamous uh, coin toss? I'm, I don't know if I'm hearing about this.
4: For I at, yeah, I had no idea about the coin toss. Um, wow. AP News reported that, though, that that was a false statement that um, Pete Buttigieg a company did not pay for the app or invest in the app. So I don't, I'd have to do more research on it, but I, Mm. I, you know, I kind of, I kind of trust AP news a little bit. So, but you know, I know that people can lie during elections, but they said that that was a false claim that circ that was circulated on social media. Mm. Either way, I think the Iowa caucus was a failure. I think that, um, we should not start in Iowa. I think that that's a huge mistake. I don't think that they represent the democratic demographic. I think we need to start at a place that's more diverse. And I don't know why we've been starting in Iowa in the first place. And I absolutely don't think that any vote should be tallied with an app, especially with uh, Russia and trying to influence our elections. Why would we leave it up to a machine like that? I'm ready to go back to old school where we just count the votes and make sure every vote matters.
5: Well,
2: that's how my student body president did when I was in junior high school. (laughs) They did that bad boy on paper. You know what I mean?
4: Yeah. And I'm actually really looking forward to now, you know, liberal whites have spoken. Okay. So now Mm -hmm. let's see what people of color have to say. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in South Carolina and Nevada and, you know, more of the electorate having a voice and who is going to be our nominee.
2: I have to do some more research. You, you make a good point because I think I saw somewhere that it's actually written into the Iowa constitution that they are uh, somehow first. I don't, I, I can't recall how they've been endowed with the uh, the distinction of being the first caucus. Well, I mean, people said
4: millions, party. millions were lost because of them being so inept. So I can't right. imagine it would be a complete failure of the democratic party if we have it in Iowa. Again, Tom Perez should, take care of that. And if not, he shouldn't be in the position he's in. It, why? Why are we starting in Iowa? There is no reasonable reason to start it in Iowa. It should start it. in a, in something that's more representative of the Democratic base. Why not? It should. Right. I mean, Iowa, I think, is 92% white. Yes. And, you know, God bless them, but they don't represent. You cannot win the Democratic primary without the black vote. That's so right. it's just unreasonable. That we wouldn't uh, start or at least have a say in the beginning because so many things happen after that. You gain momentum, you gain more money. And so you're putting candidates in jeopardy who actually could cross the line based on the black vote. I love Joe. I'm not voting for Joe. I think Joe's had his time and his time has passed. Still, he, you know, he, I, I just think that candidates are, who are depending on the true electorate. Are at a disadvantage when you start the uh, voting or start the primary in Iowa, which white people can't <laughs> make you win the Democratic primary. Of course, you need them for the national election, but when you come to the Democratic primary, you cannot win without the black vote. Period. Right. Everybody knows this.
2: Everybody knows that. And to her point, Mr. Keller, um, in fact, it was you, Mr. Keller, who told me that Andrew Yang had dropped out. You know, right when it happened, and. Same thing. I mean, who's left of color in the race? Uh, Deval Pratchett dropped out the other day as well. I mean, who really thought he had a shot anyway? But, you know, to that point, I mean, people like Cory Booker and Kamala, uh, they have a legitimate bone of contention with the caucus starting in an under diversified uh, county such as Iowa. Uh, Mr. Keller, what have been your thoughts on the, uh, the caucus and the primary we just had in New Hampshire? Mr. Jeffrey Keller
0: uh how you doing man I'm, I'm doing marvelous talking to you on this app that i got on you know, uh. make sure it don't go to sleep my brother yeah <laughs> um, uh, the Democratic party get your stuff together this is ridiculous man.
2: are we in trouble
0: yeah man I'm, hey, I'm gonna tell you what with the black vote we are tell I me mean, more about that you have you mm-hmm. have Buttigieg, you got booty who got who has issues as a mayor with black folk he can't handle black women in, in, in his own uh, city Uh-oh. with with the police brutality that's going on. You mm-hmm. have Amy Gorbacar who put in prison a, a young teen uh, without any real evidence. They didn't have a gun, they didn't have fingerprints, they have DNA, they didn't have nothing. They put right. this kid in, in prison life. Plus they had 17 officers kill black people and she didn't or take any of them to trial. So mm-hmm. she got issues with black people.
5: Yeah, and then you got
0: Bernie. You know, it's, it's 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 like people. Let's get it together. If you want the black vote, because all this is right. going to come out at the end. You can't hide it, that's and that's the right. problem with 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 us is the Democrat. We hide stuff until it's too late. Get it right. together, right? Get it together. Forget all this. Hey, you know what? We owe so and so this time. I don't care who you owe. Get the mm-hmm. right person, right? <laughs> you know what? It's going to get hey, it's going to get dirty in a minute. I mean, you went to Iowa, like she said, it's all white. white. Now it's going to get real. And some of the people that might have been good candidates aren't running because like she said earlier, they, they don't have the vice, diverse voting. So since it's all white, you got all white people still running.
2: Yeah. The only one we have left is Tulsi Gabbard. And we, we know she, she, I mean, right. She, she has not gotten (laughs) any traction. So to to that point, because uh, Dina raised that point too, Mr. Keller, uh, Ms. Becker said Amy Klobuchar was a bit of a surprise. Who else was surprised by the surge of uh, Amy Klobuchar the other night in New Hampshire?
4: I was. I mean, I was happily surprised because I thought she did really strong at the debate. In fact, surprisingly strong. Yeah. And uh, she earned my respect that evening. I didn't not like Amy, but I just thought eh, she was kind of meh. But right. That debate, she had a very strong showing. I think at the end, even though I'm not a Bernie supporter, I think Bernie will end up being our nominee.
6: What makes you think
4: is Well, because you have to look at it like this. Most Democrats, or at least I'll speak for myself, I will vote for Cookie Monster if they put him on the ticket. Anybody but Trump. And so when you think of, because you have to look at Trump, he's going to play dirty. He's going to play He's going to lie. He's going to, you know, he's, it's, it's not going to be a fair race. So we have to have somebody go up against him who can take him toe to toe. And when you look at that stage, the only one who I see can do that is Bernie. Pete doesn't have a chance. The gay thing, I mean, nothing. And, you know, I like Pete Buttigieg. I like him. Yeah, I remember that. You know, or, but it's, it's gonna, it's, he cannot win an electoral victory. And we have to concentrate on the electoral college because that's where this election is going to be won. Pete's out, it's, it's a wrap. Is and awesome. I like Elizabeth, I've always liked Elizabeth. I don't think she can win an electoral victory, nor do I think Amy can. I think that Bernie may be able to, but they're already starting with the whole trying to make socialist a pejorative. And so, I mean, you know, it's it's still, but I think in terms of standing on a stage against Donald Trump and giving him what he gives, you know what I mean? I think the only person I see right now on the stage who can do that is Bernie. But if you, I mean, if we were competing against somebody like a Jeb Bush, then I would go back to just who I like, but right. it's, it's time for who who can fight, who's going to fight, and who's going to have an army.
2: Well, that's And it seems like
4: Bernie's that dude.
2: Bernie's that dude. He's got i mean turnout probably won't be an issue with bernie sanders but when you talk about amy klobuchar and elizabeth i i'm not sure why and any of you can chime in uh what's contributed to her latest slide um is it the whole quote-unquote electability thing the fact that she's a woman that people are realizing that they suddenly uh have some women in the race who are viable but they they don't have enough faith in them to push them over the edge we haven't even talked about mike bloomberg yet i mean he's spending oh i know a billion that's the dark horse right there yeah talk to me about that <laughs> then, Becker. what do you think about that dark horse, yeah. Mike bloomberg
3: well wait but what was the first thing you said about because i'm going to go back to well what electability
2: because because i'm saying why i'm wondering why elizabeth warren is slipping right now and what's the deal with oh i know mike why. yeah go ahead why
3: he's slipping because of the mess she pulled on bernie and the not this past debate, but the, the the debate before, where she got up on stage with the whole, the quote unquote "hot mic that she yeah. didn't know about, and was asking him if, if you know he was lying, telling a lie about uh him being a sexist, and you know with that whole thing of what he said and she said and all that.
5: Mm. She turned a
3: lot of her own supporters off from that. I saw it up and down my timeline where her supporters were like, "You know what?" this is the last straw. I'm voting for Bernie now. She did that to herself. Oh, yes. She did that to herself. And it was sad because I thought she had a lot to offer. And I still think she has a lot to offer.
2: Hmm. Interesting. Okay, well, stand by, because I want to get your thoughts on the dark horse, Mike Bloomberg. But we're going to take a short break. I I bet you do. (laughs) I do too.
3: Unfortunately, I think he has a very good chance.
2: Why unfortunately?
3: <laughs> I say unfortunate because there's a lot of baggage that he comes with, mm. and baggage that um, predominantly affected the black community. And he's relying on people having short memories. Okay. And well, well. Sure can you
2: can you, can you expand? Can you expand our yeah. memories? What what's the issue that he's dealing with with black people?
3: Okay. Well, so, I mean, where do we start? Let's start with stop and frisk. <laughs> Where do we start? You know, <laughs> right. Where <do> you start? <laughs> right. Let's let's start with Arthur Fritz. He was, the, you know, a uh, huge proponent of that when he was mayor of New York, and mm-hmm. I was living in New York during the '90s. And yes, there were there were crime problems, but the way he handled it was not in a way that was best suited to who he was. Because we have to remember, this man is a billionaire. Mm-hmm. And right now he's, you know, talking about with this Greenwood initiative, throwing $70 billion towards the African-American community. Well, mm-hmm. I, I I look at it like this. When you were mayor of New York, you could have taken $70 billion and thrown it into after school programs, um, different types of uh, social programs to get kids off the street, to get guns off the street,
5: to mm-hmm. deal with
3: the, the issue with, with drugs homelessness, he could have done all of that while he was running for mayor, or when he was mayor he was in New York. Mayor. Uh-huh. But, yes, when he was mayor. But he mm-hmm. chose instead to solve all of the issues through throwing people in jail and locking them up or stopping them and frisking them on the street. That's right. And now, and now he wants to give $70 billion to the black community. There's a, unfortunately, there's a whole, lot, a whole lot of black folks out there that are just lined up to get a check and many of them have cashed their checks already, and they've already thrown in their endorsements. Well, <laughs> what can be said? I'd like to yeah. pick
4: on the Bloomberg thing, too. Yeah, go ahead, because
3: I have a thought about that. Go ahead, Erin.
4: Well, I completely agree with everything she said. Um, uh, Bloomberg terrorized people, and and he knew what he was doing. It wasn't even, well, let me try this policy and see if it works. He was told time and time again, people sued him and he used his money and power to make the suits go away so he's completely he was he's complicit and he's guilty but what I think this surge we're seeing is because he's untested I think it is absolute money and all of that but he hasn't been on a debate stage yet he hasn't had to answer for anything yet this is all um, you know still talk on social media still talk with pundits but he hasn't had to be held accountable for anything like all of the other candidates. Everybody's been taking the task except for him. So he seems like this billionaire who may come in and solve everything and let's close our eyes and forget that he terrorized black and brown people for years. But, and people, I think, too, there's a despair, like, who's going to get rid of Trump? Who do we, where do we need? Who, what guy? And so he's looking like that guy. But I think once he finally has to be on a debate stage, I want, I mean, even past stop and frisk, where do you stand on different policies? We don't know anything about this man, except for that he's a millionaire and supposedly sorry for his past transgressions. But we all know that that's not true because he could have stopped it a long time ago. He knew what he was doing. So I just think that when he finally is held accountable that this fantasy that people have of him being the dude is going to go away. At least I'm hoping it because he I mean, he's already showed us who he is.
2: Right. Well, you one that said cookie monster, though. Right. So. It's, I don't know. If yeah, look, that's to that true.
4: Too. Thank you but, for holding me accountable. I did say <laughs> Cookie so, Monster. And if he <laughs> if everybody elected him and put him on the ticket, then I would do what I have to do. You may have to bleep this out. They do, get a drink, whatever I have to do. <laughs> sign that thing to get Trump gone. But right. he's not my choice. Okay. Like, I, I really don't like him. And I think that he won't make it to the end. I, I think when he has to answer, what is he going to say? How is he going to explain that? See, you what, can't explain it. There's nothing that he can say except, I'm sorry, but it won't be good enough. But he did.
2: So I mean, what, I mean, I'm he he talking about back. on a
4: debate stage, not in an interview, when there are other <laughs> candidates because they're going to come for him. They Especially are going to come for him. Stage, they will. They are coming for him. Number one, it's insulting. So You, you just jump in the race now because you're a billionaire. Elizabeth Warren, that's her whole thing, the billionaires. So she's coming. Then Bernie's they're all going to come for him. It's, it's, it's going to be a bloodbath. Yeah. I don't know that he can withstand
5: that.
2: Well, that's going to be interesting, Mr. Keller, because uh, like Dina and Aaron have been saying, the, the man has got a couple of dollars. He is $56 billion wealthy. And I think.
4: Dang, really? I didn't know it was that much. It's
2: $56 oh, yeah. billion.
4: Mm-hmm. He's, Wow. He's
2: no joke with his billion. I mean, if wow. he woke up and had Oprah's money, like Chris Rock said years ago, he'd be crying. <laughs> and, and Oprah oh, is, this a, a, is just
4: a, fun and games for him. Like okay, I think I'll run for president. Precisely. Yeah, this is a top. Yeah, like, what yeah.
0: what he did? What he did was he saw what Trump did, right? And saw how much money mm-hmm. Trump can make out of the presidency.
5: Hmm. And so he's
0: like, "Why don't I run? And I can make the same money." I mean, I trust none of them. I mean, he's going to get up there and he's going to say, hey, I crime, line. murders went down. Hey, I know it was wrong. I did. I've learned from it. But do, do look at his statistics. I did lower the crime in New York. I mean, he's going to flip it. They're very good at flipping. The problem is people watching him aren't all college educated. They all can't see through it. And he'll get people to, to suck into it. And so my question would be. How bad does a candidate have to be when we go, okay, we got to get Trump out of it? I mean, does it have to be like 10% less than Trump? 20% less than Trump? <laughs> you know what? That, that's a fair question.
5: That's
2: a fair you know, question. How, but you know what? How, Can I how just answer right
3: question? Can I interject, oh, may go, I interject right there? Yeah, you, yeah, are you are absolutely right. Because what a lot of people are, have not considered yet is Bloomberg is just Trump 2.0.
5: Mm-hmm. He has
3: more He has more money, but when they start digging, a lot of stuff is going to come out. He Just last year, he came under fire because of things that he said regarding the Me Too movement. That's going to come back and haunt him. He had employees that were filing lawsuits against sexual harassment, and an executive at one of his companies got charged with rape, got accused of rape. I mean, a lot of stuff is going to come back to him. Mm-hmm. Because now, he, him and Trump share a lot in common, including right. their philandering, you know, throwing money around, money for women. They share right. a lot in common that's going to come out.
2: Well, uh, speaking of having a lot in common, what about this? He's not even really a Democrat. When he was mayor. No,
3: he's a
5: Republican. Was,
2: was it, exactly. Wasn't he a mayor? When mayor, wasn't he a Republican? And like 45... No. 45 used to be a Democrat. He's so, so-called Republican now. So what can be said about that? This party <laughs> loyalty. They talk about Bernie not having party loyalty and running as an independent and only becoming a Democrat when it's time to run for president. I mean, what's really going on? And what everybody's talking about, ladies and gentlemen, is in 2013, a, a federal judge ruled that stop and frisk was unconstitutional. So they, they had to ban it. And he defended it, he kept on defending it and defending it and defending it, right up until the time when he was about to announce that he was running for president. And all those years that he was mayor, he could have done something about it. And the only time something mm-hmm. really changed was when a uh, former, another Democratic <laughs> presidential nominee or uh, candidate that's no longer in the race, Bill de Blasio took over from mm-hmm. him in New York. And he was the one who finally uh, signed an agreement That uh, this case needs to be settled, okay. And uh, with that one, anyway, that I think that was the Central Park Five because he has issues around that too. And so, yeah.
3: Mm -hmm. Let's 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 also not forget. Yeah, go ahead. Let's 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 also not forget that that whole situation with what was his name, Khalif Browder, that happened under Mike Bloomberg.
2: Oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, talk to us about that, the Khalif Browder story, you can find that on Netflix. Uh, real quick, Dana, yeah. tell us about the Khalif Browder situation.
3: That was the uh, young kid that got, um, I can't remember what it was <sighs> that he was charged with, but yeah. he was basically charged for some kind of petty crime. It so something and with, with was his book bag, yeah. pardon yeah.
4: me? It was something about he his didn't... book bag. It was something yeah, ridiculous. Something nothing.
3: Was, yeah, I can't and, even remember what it was. And, but and he, but he had to wait for trial. <laughs> Three years in Rikers before he even got to get a trial. Child. Right. And I mean, that place is no joke. You don't put it, you don't put, I mean, it's no place for a human being, period. But that's to right. put a child there, because he was right. just a kid and right. he ended up committing suicide.
2: Right. Yeah, that's awful. So, I guess the question comes down to this, but let me do this real quick. This is KCWG, the truth.com. This program's called Psychotic Bump School. I'm DJ Rome, and we're joined by this incredibly awesome, talented pool of uh, commentators here. We have the incomparable Mr. Jeffrey Keller. We have the amazing Dina Becker, and we have the incomparable Aaron Sands, all breaking it down as far as our national and political politic right now. Um, it begs the question, who, I mean, everybody knows that the, the main issue is beating the guy that's in office right now. Right. So when we go through the, the, the process of trying to figure out who the, who to vote for, I mean, I don't know if the three of you already have your thumb on the scale when, it, when it comes down, because California is going to be a part of super Tuesday y'all on like March 3rd. Yeah. That, that ain't that far away. Yeah. Okay. So right. California is going to be voting right along with about 11, 12 other states on Super Tuesday, and Michael Bloomberg is finally going to be on the ballot at that time. And then we are going to have to make our voices heard on that date. So how do you go about selecting a candidate? And I'm wondering what y'all think about this. Uh, when it comes to the issues of our folks, I mean, people of color, Black folks, let's just hone on in. Black folks, which candidate has done the least harm? You know, I work in mental health, y'all. So our one of our main going mantras is do no harm. Do no yeah. harm who in the world has done the least harm to people of color out of all these candidates? I I don't know, because (laughs) when you start digging, everybody's got something on them. Aaron Sands, uh, help us. Who's done the least harm?
4: Probably um, Bernie and Elizabeth Warren, probably. I agree and And it's still least harm, but you know yeah, it, but those are the two, and're and the two
3: i mean'm really
2: we're we're down to cookie monster, Aaron, so I gotta go with least harm
4: <laughs> 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 right, so yeah, and out of those two, Bernie is the strongest candidate to you know like I said, give it to Trump, so Bernie will be the i i believe the primary nominee, and I will vote for him and I'll stump for whoever is on the ticket to get rid of Trump. But I think it'll be Bernie. He's done the least harm. And I don't need a candidate that completely understands how it feels to be an African-American woman. I need a candidate who recognizes that things aren't fair and is committed to equity. And committed to reconciling areas that aren't equitable, housing, uh, school, loans, banking, everything like that. You don't have to understand what it is to be a a black woman. I won't understand how it is to be a balding, older white man. But make
0: things fair.
2: Right. Mr. Keller, who's done the least harm?
0: Oh, my God. Can we do a, Can we do like an Etch-A-Sketch and shake it and start over? Can we do that?
2: <laughs> start over.
0: <laughs> can we just start over? Well, who I mean, would you
2: shake into the race if you could?
0: I don't know, man. I'm just so frustrated over the whole situation. It's just, it's so bad, man. I'm, I don't, because I, I don't think, I think <sighs> Bernie's an easy target for Trump. Oh, my God. He will play so the socialism easy. card, so... I mean, he's going to scare Middle America. He's going to scare the South. I, I don't. I don't think Bernie can win. Well, okay. Bernie can win in the progressive states, but he's not going to. He's not going to win in them other states well, let me ask So, you, who do you
4: think? Clover, do you
3: agree?
0: Dina, you agree with plan?
3: that? No, I disagree. Oh, well, tell Please me more about disagree. that. I disagree for several reasons. I mean, let's start with you know, the us start with the farming community and the Rust Belt. I don't know if um, either of you saw that Michael Moore documentary. I think it's Fahrenheit
5: 11 uh, nine. Nine. Uh-huh. Yeah. I yeah. haven't where, seen it.
3: Actually, he oh, goes yeah. back to these communities where Trump, you know, did very well mm-hmm. and revisits them. And they're not happy with Trump. They right. They saw the lie and... There a a big, huge portion of these people is even in West Virginia are supporting Sanders now. Mm. So let me ask you this: So do you think?
4: Let me. Um. So you think that when the Republicans come and you know there's a lot of voters who are uninformed, who don't read, who are just going to blindly follow Trump when he begins the socialist? Because you know they've already started in Nevada with the with the culinary thing when he starts putting out that those lies that rhetoric and he's good at it I I will give him that he's good at making things that aren't true seem true and so when he starts putting that out you don't think that because we all know on this in this conversation that the race is in Virginia Michigan Florida forget the other but it's you know there's like five states where the race really is
5: Mm right and so do you think think
4: that he has a chance in those states as a socialist i think he's the strongest candidate out of the democrats even though he's not my candidate but do you think that he can win the electoral college vote once they start all the socialist pejorative crap
3: i do and this is why because what what trump is going to do is he's going to open up a big old can of words when he starts talking that socialism stuff. And he's going to cause a bunch of people to learn a few more new words, like oligarchy and fascism. Because Bernie's <laughs> going to hit right back with some big words that people are going to be like, oh, let me Google that and let me see what that means. And they're going to see, oh, that equals Trump. And that equals nothing for me. Hmm. It's gonna. It's already starting you to happen. Have more faith in the human race than me.
0: Yeah, yeah, she well, does. I'm gonna find, I, 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 don't, I don't see that. See that my process,
3: like yeah. social media following because I have a very diverse group of mm-hmm. followers on social media, from like the heartland to other countries, and people are waking up, and especially you know the the places where you know us city folks like to think that uh, we're much more savvy than. A lot of those people are waking up and they're listening and they're engaging. The, the most important thing is I see that they're engaging in discussions. And it used to be that it was like when Trump first got elected, it was more like, yeah, yeah, Trump, make America great again. It shifted, though. There, that still exists, but I'm seeing a lot more, oh, let me question things now. Let me listen, let me look this. Up. But the
4: last Gallup the- poll he was the more most popular than he's ever been. It seems that when he feels or plays victim, it incites his base and they really go out and his most of his bases are those states where we need an electoral victory. I mean I hope you're right. I just yeah. don't have the faith that you do in people to read or look up oligarch I mean you know. I just feel like people are low-information yep. voters. They hear something strange, socialist, which they will make like communist. And then yeah. next thing you know, we have the crazy man for another four years. And I don't know that we can, I, I don't know.
0: What he's yeah. yeah, he's going to play the economy. Go ahead, he's going to he's he's play the economy. And, and those people, even though they're not doing well, they're going to be like, well, yeah, the economy's doing much better than it was when Obama was there. I mean, he's going to play it, and those people are yeah. going to buy it. Yeah. it and Bernie's going, going to the, say, Congress, look at the numbers. Trump's
3: economy is Wall Street.
0: Oh, no doubt. Is, uh, we know yeah, that. Um, we, we, Rome, we know that.
3: Rome, I, but I told he's you about say my that sister that's a Trump supporter. I told you about her a while ago, a few shows back. Yeah. I have a sister that was a Trump supporter.
1: Yeah. I'm for you to bring her on the show. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I don't know if she wants to subject herself to that. But, oh, um, cool. you know, a lot of people, they're waking up because, you know, it's been three years. And guess what? She's still working five jobs just to have one income.
2: Mm-hmm. Right there in your mm-hmm. family, right? It's
3: that part right there.
2: Right. Well... He just
4: plays I, white identity politics so well, he, and I, I just, there's so much fear over everything. Black people, brown people. I I mean, like I said, I hope you're right. I hope you're right.
2: Well, yeah. I, I'm well, hoping I, she's I, right, too.
3: To discuss, to discuss and learn. Well, you know, We gotta uh, start phone banking in those areas and speaking to people that are different from us, so that oh. we can share what it is that we have in common, because it's definitely much more so, like body and and you know Kentucky has much more in common with us than they do with Trump
2: okay well to that point right um I'll, okay, I'll, I'll be with you on this because he along with Pete Buttigieg I think were one of the only candidates to actually go on Fox News and Bernie for one for sure I'm not sure about Pete off the top of my head but Bernie's uh, uh platform was well received. Uh, on that mm-hmm. network to the point where 45 started tweeting about it and claiming that Fox was not the Fox of old, and you know why are people supporting him? So maybe he does have some traction. I'm just wondering, Dina, if he is indeed the happy warrior to really punch him back because one thing that frustrates me, y'all, and I know we're we're gonna support whoever the candidate is, right? I mean. Yeah. Cookie Monster, Oscar Absolutely. the Grouch, Big Bird. <laughs> Elmo. Elmo, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> we, we, we're play to play. Come on now. But we want somebody <laughs> that's going to do what? Mr. Keller, you and I have spoken about this quite a bit. Fight. One thing I'm, that frustrates me yeah. about uh, the, the pundits out there, and uh, one of them I really like, and I, I'm going to name him because I actually do like his program, but Bill Maher, has gotten really, really dark lately, to the point where he's pretty much conceded that this guy is too big and powerful to lose. Talking about 45. He has said over and over again that once he gets in the office- i can felt that way too. I
4: mean, mean, it's dark time.
2: I've absolutely felt that way. Right, real time is like got the wrong time now. It's like, dude, you're giving away the store by giving away this perception to the audience that he is unbeatable, unstoppable. And so-
4: but I mean, when you look at, I, and I agree with you, we can't lose hope, but still, so, I understand where Beer's Bill is coming from. I haven't watched Bill in a minute, but I felt that way too. I felt like, well, damn. I mean, you have a Republican Congress who, at the end of the day, they would give up, the, they would lose the country or what they claim the country mm-hmm, is based on, which people of color, no different. But just I what think. they claim the country is based on for this man. Like, right. what, what is he doing? To, it, it is he's making money. It's, exactly. And so when you see that, when you see that he just fired two veterans, one for doing his civic duty, the other one for being related yeah. to somebody who did his and, civic duty. I mean, well, he's now coming after the judge when he got away with the whole Dutch, uh, I can't pronounce it correctly, but you know what I'm saying, the that that bank thing. He just got oh, away wow. with money laundering. I mean, right. you almost feel like it's his powers back. are coming from down low. I mean, right. like, for real. Like, <laughs> and anyway, now
0: he's going he's gonna to pardon all his buddies. they going to get little, little, little Exactly.
4: Back. He just keeps changing the laws that he doesn't like, and there's nobody holding him accountable. And Democrats just keep, you know, pissing in the wind. So and, I and get this is what's why gonna, Bill yeah. feels that way, because I feel and that is, way.
0: Yeah, because this is what's going to happen. And Rome, you heard it here. And you know I like doing this. There might be some time I'm right On election night, something scandalous is going to happen. Something scandalous <laughs> in one of them states we need. And it's going to go mm-hmm. to Trump's favor. And we, mm-hmm. and us as Americans, aren't going to do anything about it. We're going to let it ride like that hanging chad. And they're going to flip it. And he's going to win again. And we're going to go, well, what happened?
3: happen. Oh, I, yes, I think people will actually be ready to fight and somebody will be ready to take them out. But how can
4: we fight if they're illegally rigging the voting, the voting apparatus? And then we won't even talk about how they try to change the law so black people can't vote. Remember what oh, we yep. went through, even just to vote for Obama. I mean, even when they try to get seniors on buses, then they have cops stop the bus.
5: They did.
4: I, I'm not saying it can't be done. We have a history of overcoming, 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 but it looks real bleak.
5: Yeah, well, like when
0: Bush, when Bush got 1-1 one, one Florida. They were taking people's names out the voting rosters oh, yeah. because they were doing general general searches for, say, a uh, Japanese. And Taylor. that was baby Even corruption no in compared to what we're dealing with now. That exactly. was like
4: itty-bitty corruption. <laughs>
5: this yep, man well.
4: has stacked the federal courts with right-wing judges,
5: Absolutely. the Supreme yep.
4: Court. It was, I mean, kind of genius almost, but he, it, it's diabolical.
2: Well, to I that don't point, know. You're right. Yeah, go ahead. You don't know what?
4: I, I don't know anything. I don't, <laughs> I don't know
2: anything.
0: What we're saying is this Trump has us where we don't even believe in the political system anymore. Right. And when you see what happened in Iowa, that just backs, but okay, this is what we believe, both parties are doing it now mm. it, it's sad it is. we can't believe in the democracy anymore
2: well and if you look at what Barr is doing uh yep. William Barr. bar he, he's trying to make sure roger stone doesn't get any time yep. and uh it, it is crazy out there y'all the struggle is real uh i want an a, a, a light of hope though before i let y'all go though uh to that point <laughs> uh the the supreme court Uh, Oh, and by the way, it was Shira, I'm not looking this up, her name was Shira Scheinland. She was the judge in 2013 that declared stop and frisk unconstitutional. And so the reason why I bring that up is judges are so important in this next election. I mean, we're we're almost out of time because it it was game, set, match in 2016 when Mitch McConnell held up that Merrick Garland nomination. And so now they've appointed all these right wing, underqualified, not qualified judges And it's judges that give us any semblance of hope that if we go to the courts, we'll get some semblance of justice. And her name was Shira Shineland, no relation to Judy Shineland from uh, Judge Judy. But that was a Bill Clinton appointee. And so if nothing else, generationally, we have to come out and vote. So we got a couple minutes left. So optimism, hope. I'll I'll start this I'll go the this conversation. I need time to think about <laughs> I'm, I'll start this part of the this way. Um, the Supreme Court and believe it or not Clarence Thomas was one of the main judges that declared in North Carolina that the precision accuracy of the gerrymandering in the state of North Carolina was so targeted that it was beyond contention that even he had to rule that the gerrymandering had a disproportionate advantage for the Republicans in that state. So they're going about the process of fixing that. Stacey Abrams, the former candidate in Georgia who narrowly lost, who she probably actually won in her state of Georgia when she ran for governor, the first African-American woman who would have become governor. She didn't make it, but she's gone on this campaign and crusade to make sure that voter registration is happening and that people are not mm-hmm. being kicked off the, the the voting rosters so there's people out there fighting those fights so we got about 22 minutes left um, what can you tell us dina jeffrey and aaron uh, what can we look forward to what are we hoping and holding out for uh, march 3rd is going to be here before we know it Super Tuesday, uh, final thoughts on your optimism going into the deeper, deeper part of this primary election season. Let's go to Dina Becker, then Aaron Sands, and then my good brother, Mr. Jeffrey Keller.
3: Okay, um, I think that we're going to see Buttigieg's campaign start taking some hits in the mm-hmm. upcoming primaries, because I think he's done the best that he can already. Okay. Except, except for maybe his, his home state. Um, I think Bernie's going to bring it home because he's still getting endorsements from groups that matter, mainly groups that represent consumers, farmers, uh, the working class. Mm-hmm. It, it's spreading. The word is spreading. And I think we're going to bring it home. I think it's just going to be a matter of people finally seeing the writing on the wall and pulling our resources together and so going to
2: so, if you had to vote today, you're pulling the lever for Bernie oh. Sanders. Am I right?
3: Yeah.
2: yes, okay. there you go. Aaron Sands.
4: I agree. um judge is uh, gonna turn this corner, and because I just think the gay thing's just not gonna fly, and not because I you know have any less feeling for him as a candidate because of that. I just think right now, where we are in history. The, um, that won't win an electoral college vote. Um, I think the last two candidates standing are going to be um, Sanders and Klobuchar. Um, mm. I like Klobuchar, so she's going to get my vote in the primary. And then after Bernie wins the primary, he's going to get my vote for the presidency. And my happy, lucky, or good focus thing good is are. 2024 is coming. So. Mm. <laughs> If he wins again in 2024, this will all be over. <laughs> oh my
2: God! 20. Oh, that hurts. But <laughs> you say? But,
4: but sometimes you need an end date to your pain. Oh my
2: God! Well, that's true. That that's true. That's, that's true. true. <laughs>
4: 2024.
2: Wow, Mr. Jeffrey Keller.
0: Um. Well, first I think I'm going to run for Senate just so I can make that Mitch McConnell money.
2: Could you please I, do I that?
0: Just, please. You know. <laughs> <laughs> He's went from 13 million to 54 million. So if we're asked why he said he was a Bernie, wow, right there. Okay, making that kind of money, it's Come ridiculous. On. Um, yeah, I do. I think yeah, Bernie's going to be uh, the guy. Uh, uh, Blue don't give him that slow run. Amy, I my problem with Amy is, is I saw her try to handle a question about her. Uh, being the uh, prosecutor for this 11 year old kid, uh, Burrell, yeah, and she didn't handle it well. She did not handle it well, and, right? You know, the way that she deals with black people when she was the prosecutor, she did not, uh, she was not in our favor. Um, so I'm not feeling her because of that. If she would have taken responsibility, I'd be like, okay, but she's not taking responsibility. Um, yeah, Bernie's gonna be the guy I hope Bernie can hold up. Um, you know, uh, and if Trump is the great manipulator, the great divider, mm-hmm. um, that's why he keeps winning. He knows how to divide the country, uh, like she said, twenty twenty four. But um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I, I, I'll vote for Bernie. I mean, but okay, I mean, I, even even though I'm gonna lose my uh, you know, own care, you know, it's gonna be uh, it's worth the sacrifice. Well what did you say you're gonna lose? What? Well, I have private I have you know, I have private health care.
5: Oh, through my job. Okay.
0: So so I'll lose me that. Too. But it's it yeah, be worth right, to, to get to get rid of uh
5: <sighs> that's that's
0: my sacrifice. The greater good, it. right?
5: Exactly.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's greater good. Yeah. You know? Taking one you know? team, big time. Yeah. Wow. So
0: I don't want to hear people say anything to me after I do I do I sacrifice, so don't go tell me nothing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but you know what?
3: What? How you Look at it this way. How big of a sacrifice is it going to be if for some reason your, your work situation changes and you no longer have that health care? Does that health care um, with that job, right? I hear what
0: you're saying, but in my situation, it ain't going to change. It really yeah. isn't. Not in my yeah. situation.
3: Okay, well, I'm, I'm, going, I'm for the, going for the greater good and how I can have all my friends and family be taken care of. It's not just me. It's us. Not it's me, us. It's us. Hey Amen. <laughs> okay. Not I'm, me, us. I, like I, I love it. I'm down with that. <laughs> but you know I, can
4: I speak to the health care thing really fast? I yeah, don't I mean, Bernie will get the nomination if he wins the presidency. That would be great. But I still don't think he'll get that health care passed like Congress. Good. So I, I don't I think good. you're safe. I think you're safe with the health care. He's not getting that. You know, who get, you know who if it will get it all Congress?
3: He's not going to get it passed through Congress. The people are.
2: Yeah, that's been his argument, uh, a political revolution. You yeah, been, right, Dina?
3: I I I live in Denmark and I have that universal health care. I know how good it is. <clears throat> people are going to get it passed. Cuz it's only a matter yeah, of time for yeah, yeah. out in the streets just like the French yard. It's only a matter of time. We're going, we're waking up.
0: They're waking up. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. She's an optimist. She <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I don't, I don't have that faith in people right now. They're too divided.
4: Me, am, me neither. <laughs> I <I've>... Yeah. Oh <my laughs> <goodness.
3: laughs>
0: well, on that note, um, I, I just want to... I'm running with some hey, political deeds. That's why I say
5: that.
0: Right. This yeah. <laughs> is a civil war. Hey, let's be real. It's a civil war out there right now. Yeah. It is. Mm-hmm. It's a civil... People ain't talking about it, but it's a civil war out there. And see, that's what
2: Bill Maher is talking about, too. He's saying, oh, that side has all the guns. They have the army, they have the military. It's like, what else is new, dude? I mean, give people some hope. It's like, it don't matter how big the guy is, hit him. It's like, I just want a fighter, Mm -hmm. y'all. I want somebody that will fight. Jeffrey Keller, I know you've been in at least one fight in your life. Everybody in this fight has had to fight. Everybody on this call has had to fight a little bit on some front at some point in their lives. I just don't want the Democrats to just lay down and curl up in a ball and just let this guy keep pounding them and pounding them and pounding them without throwing a punch back. It don't matter how big and bad he appears to be. You got to hit him. I don't care if you're scared. You got to hit him. And you got to hit him again after that and after that and after that. If you don't, he's not going to stop coming after you. So, so long as we have a fighter, and this is why I wanted Michael Avenatti, Mr. Keller, before he got all caught up in his uh, stuff. (laughs) He ain't available. Can we bring bring Rocky back? Can we bring Rocky? Dude, that's what I'm saying. It's like when when Rocky IV, oh my God, we're so over time right now, but remember Rocky IV when Adrian was saying, you can't win. You've seen what he can do. (laughs) You can't win. And Rocky said... You know what Rocky said? He said, "Yo, you might be right, but if all I gotta do is stand here and take everything he's got, he's gotta be willing to die to do it." Hey, and you know what I'm saying? So Rocky, <laughs> I mean, he was a realist. You know, he he didn't refute what she was saying. It's like I know I've seen this dude. This dude killed Apollo Creed. Come on, but I, I'm a fight. We're in a fight, right? Hey, you, well, we got fight. My
4: faith tells me that anything is possible. God can do Come anything. On. So Come on. We need so, some hope. Uh, up I, yes. I'm looking for a miracle. I'm looking for a miracle.
3: I'm hoping for a miracle. The miracle
5: is us.
4: Come on. Amen. The
3: People. i <laughs> living
0: Yo, yo! What's up, everybody? This is your man Eric Rico, and you're currently in tune to Psychotic Bump School with your host DJ Rome on KCWGTheTruth.com, the best internet radio station on the planet. Never mind my own.
2: We are back, KCWG, the This program is called Psychotic Bump School. My name is DJ Rome. Oh, I am very, very excited to have this next panel. I've been seeing some things in our news cycle, ladies and gentlemen, that pertain to the politics and social ramifications of just living while having black hair, and you would be surprised the extent to which this is even an issue, but people who walk this life every day, uh, we have something to say about it and to have me have this or help me have this conversation tonight, we have two amazing mental health therapists on the line joining us. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to Psychotic Bump School, mental health therapist Kyra Christian, as well as clinical psychotherapist, Dr. Roche Brown. Kyra, Dr. Brown, are you there?
5: Yes, we are.
2: What's going on, ladies? So glad that y'all can join us. Well um i've been going through it y'all um we can talk policy and we can talk how states are slowly 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 starting to come around by passing legislation protecting people against racial discrimination and hair discrimination and it's a real thing so i want to talk about that a little bit but just to open this conversation a little bit in what ways would you two ladies say uh the experience of black people and their hair is uh, having an adverse impact on their lives or threatens to disrupt the the daily balance of our regular walks through life. Uh, let's have Kyra open the conversation and then let's swing over to Dr. Roche Brown.
6: Okay, well, um, first off, I want to start off saying that I'm African American and my hair is locked and I've been locked for um, seven years now so my uh, my hair is not in dreadlocks it's locked a uh, of love um, there's nothing dreadful about my hair so historically oh. this country has praised whiteness and white whiteness, and we kind of bought into the hype and the narrative of assimilating just to blend in and so I believe when we started to heal and we started to really um heal from the white lie of supremacy that were that black is ugly and that black in black hair and black features are ugly. Once we started healing from that, our community started taking back that narrative that we see. We see that um, our hair is not ugly, that uh, other non-blacks really appreciate and culturally appropriate um, our hair. So I guess that's kind of my two cents in it. Uh, Now that other people are starting to wear our same hairstyles, now the legislative sorry, legislation, is making sure that they're protecting everyone, not just us.
2: That's right. She said, locked, not dreadful. Um, (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. Uh, Dr. Roche Brown, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yes. I mean, well, I mean, I love that Kyra. (laughs) Um, So I'm African-American. You know, I am a a Black girl magic. And um, what I think of when I think of is I, I you know is that we have the versatility and so mm-hmm. and where i I wore my hair in all kind of ways, so i wore it in braids i wore it you know having weeds. i wore it my natural hair i wore it you know i I've I've, I've I've worn it um you know curly and i've worn it straight you know so i've done um pretty much all different um areas of it, and I think like it it you know some, a lot of people's self esteem sometimes is wrapped up in like you know um how their hair is showing up But I think it only depends on um, what is kind of the social norm of where you're, where you're um, located, you know, like what type Mm -hmm. of career you may be in and and the area of the people um, that are around at that time that kind of really impacts like how you're going to feel about yourself, right? Um, You know, I, um, in just thinking in practice, um, where like, you know, some of my, um, young girls who who may be in a predominantly um, white area, how they view their hair is different from my young girls um, who may be around a lot more, um, you know, um, African-American girls who are are expressing their versatility. Um, so they don't have as, as much um, self-esteem issues with it. Um, so I think it just depends on like kind of the, what's the norm of the area that you're located in. I think now, um, you know, that we've moved into like, you know, My Black is Beautiful and Black Girls mm-hmm. Rock and We're going to be trying to regain that level of power against that. We can do whatever we like, you know, and it's okay. Um, Is I think that's what, you know, if people are starting that healing process, like what um, Kyra mentioned um, around like your self-esteem and your hair,
2: Mm. what I've been thinking. Absolutely. What kind of things have we had to heal from um, when you think about some of the personal experiences that sisters have had to go through and you know and I'm saying this knowing that uh, young black men have experienced this too to a certain degree. Um, what what how would you characterize some of those issues that we've had to heal from? I've heard the mention of self-esteem. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that Dr. Brown and then I want to swing over to Kyra.
1: Um, yes. I mean, you know, uh well, you know, how you feel about oneself, right? Having a proper view of you um is important in how um we function and operate um in, in life, right? If we have a level of confidence, how we move is gonna be definitely different and how we interact with other people. And uh, I know that you know we you know we've always talked about the good hair, the bad um, bad hair, mm-hmm. and you know nobody wants to think of their hair as bad, right? You know, like mm-hmm. ever like, and if that means if my hair is bad, does that mean I'm bad? And what's wrong with me? And how are people um, maybe viewing me? And you know, am I you know am I being viewed as uh, as maybe less attractive than mm-hmm. someone else because their hair is you know long and curly versus my hair is you know um, short and curly, and, you know,
5: um,
1: and I think, I think that's kind of uh, the areas that it really does impact us a lot, um, you know, just even I went to um, a historical black college, I um, went to Xavier in New Orleans, and I remember hey. even there, still a lot of like, you know, light skin, like it, you know, um, issues, and like, oh, there, she has a pretty long hair, and then I, and then other people feel like they don't have that, and that means that there's something wrong, and so let me re- let me try to add something to my hair <laughs> to make it look mm-hmm. more like that. Wow, um, that was happening a lot.
2: Mm-hmm. So I think I- those
6: are those that we still were healing from. <laughs> right. That was, oh,
2: absolutely! You know, not even in a in, even in a college like that, Rochet. I mean,
1: exactly. Even even in a historical black college, there were still like you know because people were coming from their experiences before, right? right. So a lot of us um, came from either. I mean, especially particularly like Xavier. What ended up happening? A lot of people um, came from being like the top of their class being like the um the token black person per se in their classes and then coming to an area where we all were together and we are trying to figure out like how do we actually um you know uh, interact with one another where so many african american people um and we're not used to that a lot of us you know I mean even for me I went to predominantly like um white schools um and then ended up at a predominantly a black college And having to figure out like, oh wow, this is different. This is a different experience of how I'm viewed in in this world.
6: Hmm.
2: You know, fascinating. Kyra Christian.
6: That's funny. I had the um, HBCU experience too. I attended Morris Brown College in the AUC in Atlanta, Georgia, and I too witnessed a lot of healing with the colorism and just a lot of healing from the crab in a barrel mentality and the low self-esteem. Um, I just remember looking around and seeing all these brown faces and the teachers are brown, everybody's brown. You're going into the bank and you're listening to the temptations while you're in line and everybody's swagging back and forth and the branch manager is brown and the teller is brown. You know, you got that sense of pride and that's where the healing starts in these communities because then you, you come up with self-love and self-acceptance and pride and. Just self confidence and I think overall we're starting to see a push for that with these babies. Like I have a ten year old goddaughter, and today as I was picking her up, I said, Um, you know, london did you know that um Hallie is going to be playing Ariel, the Little Mermaid? And I mean the smile on her face and she was like, That's so cool, and I can't wait. And I'm like, how wonderful is that to have that representation?
2: Right. Definitely, definitely. Mm. So representation does matter. I mean, needless to say, oh, mean, absolutely. You, when you look at the, uh, the, yeah. the clean sweep that the sisters have made in the most recent uh, Miss Universe, Miss America, I think yeah. Kyra, you were here last time, right yeah. when we were starting to mm-hmm. uh, experience all of that. So really yes. validating experiences like that, ladies, I'm wondering, given your background and given the sort of the cultural newness of being in an HBCU, And uh, all the way to a modern day where people are starting to recognize black beauty and all of its variants. Uh, What did that do for you two ladies in terms of seeing how on such a national global scale that finally ethnic uh, African-American features or African features were finally being honored and celebrated as the true glory that they represent Kyra Christian and then Dr. Mm
5: Roche. It's just,
6: it was a reminder for me that the work that we're doing is important and it's making a difference and that everybody is doing their part. And so it's not just our community that's pushing um, to change the narrative. There are a lot of allies that feel like it's time. It's time to change their history and their narrative too, um, because not everybody stays the same. Um, and so I'm I'm just happy about the growth that we're having in this country in spite of all the things that, you know, the, Current presidency and this current guy and i 'm not even going to say president, this current guy um, has tried to uh to enforce in this country and it 's like we we know that 's the group thing, but we can always change the narrative when we push that's right push back yes. push back,
2: yes. come on now <laughs> dr roche
1: i i'm with you, yes, I love the uh like the changing the narrative and and really pushing back I know for me. Um, you know, it, it helped me have even more confidence in myself and even in my culture once I was going to a HBCU and then of course continuing mm-hmm. to grow through it, it made it even easier to maybe even navigate white spaces, knowing that, mm-hmm. you know, I was, you know, I, I was beautiful and that I was intelligent and I didn't have to show up in a particular way in order to prove that to anybody, um, because I I was aware um and, and just more proud of my culture. Right. You know, sometimes you can feel like you're the smart one, but you feel like, you know, based on um, what media portrays that that my culture is not considered good. Right. Um, And then having having gone to an HBCU, I was able to see like, no, 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 everybody. You know what I mean? Like, you know, there's other people who are smart. It's not just me, like some isolated person um, of my culture that's doing well. There are so many other people who are successful, and I'm I'm excited to be a part of this, and I and I want to be proud of my culture, and I want to share with everybody else that this is who I am. I'm a proud African American female, and I'm doing it. And there's a whole bunch of other Black women and other Black men who are who are also um, you know um, shining as well, and we all can kind of we all can shine together, and we don't have to you know have that
2: crab in a barrel experience. Absolutely. So. When you think about those shine moments, and I totally agree with both of you on that, what is the role then of black men in this discussion, knowing that we have played a role in uh, the level of self-esteem that our sisters experience day to day? It's one thing to get it out in society, but when you come home to our communities, uh, how enriching of an experience is it uh, that women are getting from from the brothers in the neighborhood? When you talk about the issue of black hair and acceptance and feeling beautiful uh, and, and worthy and equal on equal footing with others in society that are appreciated for their, their, their features. Uh, what would either of you say is the role of black men going forward as we expand our understanding of the veracity of this issue? Let's go to Dr. Roche and then swing back to Kyra Christian.
1: Um, well, I mean, you know, we need our brothers to be with us. You know, and I know that for me, I, I actually love it when I hear like a, a black man say like, "I love my black sisters." It's something even the way that they say it, you know, you just feel more accepted. And I and I think that, um, and, and not even just coming from a, um, like I'm only attracted, but just just loving all things that are a, a, a black woman. And I think I think men need to continue to speak that way, um, you know, and instill that in their daughters, you know, like as fathers, that you're always, you know, um, speaking. To um you know uh, the beauty of your of your of your daughter um and how amazing she is you know as uh, as um internally and externally um and i think that uh that's what black women have to continue to do right and that has to be the positivity has to be in all of like the songs and in media um and they have to choose us right um where in there's been you know times in which it felt like you know they were choosing the other um, you know, and, and maybe downplaying us in certain ways, you know, some negative areas. Um, but I love it when it's like that uplifting and um just encouraging the black women to just, you know, be all of who she is and loving all of all of pieces of that. All of it. All of it. Absolutely.
5: All
2: of it. <laughs> Come on now, Kyra Christian. <laughs>
6: Well, I just want to just really speak on something and just let the brothers out there know um, preferences are just what they are to each their own. But if you praise a likeness that doesn't look like your mama or your daughter or your daughter's mom, mm-hmm. that's, a, mm-hmm. that's a foul. That's an epic fail because you are yes. setting the tone for that baby, that mom, that grandma, that she never mattered And that's where
5: you came mm-hmm. from.
6: So it's really important that we unite and we stand together. And I always say this, you know, united, we stand together, we win. And so you can like what you oh. like, but if you endorse something that doesn't look like you, like you're selling out.
5: Mm. Yes.
6: Come on, you gotta speak, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I, love that. I mean, I just want to keep it real. Like you can like what you like, but if you're not endorsing what your family looks like, you look funny. Like it doesn't oh, yeah. it doesn't go. It doesn't, go, it doesn't flow, and you're not setting the example that my baby girl matters to me, or that these women matter to me, because this is what I'm idolizing. Not this is what my preference is, and I'm for everybody, and I want everybody to win, and I'm a real definition of a girl dad, not
2: an imposter. Come on. Yes. Come on. Well, I remember a movie back in the day called Mo' Better Blues, starring uh Denzel Washington, and... He was a bit of a player in that movie, but he had uh, two women in his life. And people were very, very, um, let's say taken aback when the one he chose was actually the actress Lee, uh, her character in the movie, who was a, a more um, culturally, um, well, what am I looking for? She, she was more ethnic looking than her, uh, her counterpart. And then you fast forward to Black Panther, uh, Man, it's almost been two years ago, Roche. Roche was on our Black Panther, Mm -hmm. ladies and gentlemen. But two years ago, when we saw uh, Black Panther and Chadwick Boseman and the the sort of loving relationship and uh, playfulness between he and Lupita Nyong'o's character, Mm -hmm. uh, that's something that we don't see too often. We don't see a lot of glorifying of Black women uh, who look like that. And although I didn't see it, uh, Queen and Slim, I mean, just in terms of uh, the the characters on screen, I have my reasons for having not seen the film. I have to talk about that in another segment. But (laughs) uh, ironically, there's a movie out coming up called The Photograph starring Ysa Ray and uh, one of my favorite actors. uh, I have to look up his name. I think that's Lakeith Stanfield. A very talented actor, but um, I guess I'm leading up to the question. Uh, Seeing it on screen now, ladies, um, is that how much of that is further indication that uh, even in the world of cinema, even in the world of entertainment, this issue is becoming a lot more um, mainstream? That it is important to celebrate beauty in all of its walks. Uh, Your comments on that uh, impact of black hair in cinema. Uh, let's go to Dr. Roche and then over to Kyrie
1: Christian. Uh, I just would say I would love the time then that, that it would just be beautiful people and we don't even notice that part. Like not like not, not like the idea you we know, don't never see it, but that it's just like it's great, great actors. And we don't have to even worry about, you know, what the, the color, um, you know, you know, dark versus light or whatever the case is. It's just like black. You know what I mean? Right. So it's just, and, um and and so I, I mean I, I know they like in the in cinema is definitely being a lot more um glorified, uh, not glorified, sorry, um uh, seen and more accepted um to see different shades of us. And that's what that's what is beautiful to me about being black is that there are multiple shades and we come in different sizes and colors and hair types and that we continue to um show the different variety that actually right. exists within our culture. Um, is is what needs, needs to continue to happen because then that can be that that little girl or that little boy who's able to identify with that and that that's going to build them up, you know, even more so as they're um, as they're growing up.
2: Absolutely. You know? Sweet thoughts. Tara Christian.
6: Well, I I keep thinking about um, I can't call recall the name of the movie, but uh, there was just this. Um, all this noise about the tyler perry uh, the netflix movie do you guys remember the name oh a fall from grace the recent one yes oh no. yes a fall from grace and so i think about um the wigs and the hair that he does in the movies <laughs> and, um, yeah and i just i just wonder like are we going to get to a place where um we really take it serious like especially when we're pushing our issue to other cultures like you know, and I I like me a Tyler Perry movie, don't get me wrong, because, I mean, I can relate in so many um, levels within my own family with the characters, but, like, when we take it serious, like, the hair and um, accentuating our features and not always putting Big Mama in this and not always putting somebody in Orange and Leopard and, um, you know, just feeding into some of the stereotypes where it's like, come on, come on, Tyler, like, Mm. you know, Break away from that. Hire some female writers. Like, you know, Ooh. push the narrative with um how we identify, not how you see us. And yeah, I'm on my soapbox right now. Nice.
5: um yeah. yeah. Good. <laughs> you know, right. so Everybody's right. talking about that. Right,
4: because hair is so important. It's so important to us.
5: Um, yeah.
6: And uh, it's a yeah, great diversified experience. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. yeah.
2: That's what I'm saying. Hey, these <laughs> issues matter to us. And uh, before I let you yeah. know, i want to briefly uh, highlight the Crown Act that was passed recently, SB 188. Crown stands for creating a Respectful and Open Workplace for Natural Hair. Uh, it represents legislation that was passed first in the country, in the state of California, where we are, ladies. And uh, oh. with this law, <laughs> it is no longer legal to discriminate someone on the basis of their natural hair. So, I hope that we continue to see uh, legislation like that. And as a result of that, there have been spinoff legislations in other parts of the country, including New York City. So, I believe we have not seen the last of this movement. Uh, we need to celebrate all aspects of our Africanness and be proud and appreciate it for the beauty that it represents. And um, there, you know. We're going to continue to talk about this, including those nuanced issues that permeate other industries that not only impact mental health, but entertainment as well. And so I can't thank y'all enough for being here. Kyra Christian, mental health therapist, Northern California. We also have the inimitable Dr. Roche Brown, clinical psychotherapist out of the Mm -hmm. Bay Area. Ladies, thank you so much. Will you join us again on Psychotic Lump School real soon?
5: Of course.
2: Love it. Well, that will just about do it, y'all. Psychotic Bump School is the place where education and entertainment meet at the intersection of funk and soul. My name is DJ Rome, and you know I'm here every single week from 5.30 p.m. to 7 p.m. Pacific time. Check back with us. We shall return next week. also want to thank our special guests this evening, mental health therapist Ms. Kyra Christian, as well as clinical psychotherapist Dr. Roche Brown. We have the amazing Jeffrey Keller, political commentator representing Pocho Hour Power on 90.7 FM on Friday afternoons, our California delegate, Ms. Dina Becker, and the amazing blogger, actress, political pundit, the incomparable Aaron Sands. Well, that's our show. I want to send out shout out to Mr. Frank Starks, who is the Iron Man behind the board. And we're out of here, y'all. Take care.